Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and pro- podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. Love it! So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Please contact us because we need more ideas. Uh, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. That's I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N at S as in Sue, F as in Falls, Catholic as the One Holy Truth uh, dot O-R-G. You can also tweet at us using the Twitter handle at SFDiocese, S as in Sue, F as in Falls, D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and use the hashtag ignition to kind of filter it out from all the other tweets that they get. All the tweets. All your tweets are belong to us. All your tweets are belong to us. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the director of uh, Pius XII Newman Center and the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, a mission with a mission. And my 11th year as a priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I've been told in six and a half years of recording uh, ignitions with Dr. Bergwald. And I am Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, um, husband to Jermaine for 17 and a half years, and we have five kids, um, loving children together. And yes, co-host of Ignition with Father Dickinson <clears throat> for the last six and a half years, did all of 17 episodes before Father came on board, and we're now at 304 with today's... Oh, you did 16 Sorry, 16 episodes, yeah. Well, I think I've done some of them without you even well, yeah, I mean, been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ne- never mind. Okay. So uh, we, we always do value ideas, appreciate ideas. Uh, when we don't have good ideas, we would just go with our um, occasional series of, of uh, topics or themes. Like today! Actually, this is, this is part of our regular... Um, regularly scheduled, reg, reg, a regularly occasional series. Okay. Um, Father Dickinson and I have been uh, for for some time now providing just a short introduction, a primer, if you will, to the books of the Bible. And we actually started with the New Testament. So uh, we began with Matthew, and we have worked our way all the way through Hebrews. And today we are going to be uh, just giving a, f- a few introductory comments on the letter of Saint James. Um, as Father and I always say. Um, well, I think I think every episode in this occasional series on the books of the Bible, we say that this is just an introduction. Read it yourselves. So just read it. it some don't don't allow our little introduction to James to let you to suffice for what you know about the letter to James. Have an encounter. Have an encounter with the letter to James, and more importantly, with the living God who reveals Himself to you when you do so. Um, so, uh, the, uh, two. I wanted to make two comments before we get into today's, into some of the substance of of today's episode on the letter of Saint James. One, the source of much for much of the of of what we're going to be talking about today, not everything, but much of it is the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, the New Testament commentary, which is written by Dr. Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch. A fine one volume commentary on the New Testament, probably my my. 
personally my favorite one volume commentary in the New Testament, and it's certainly my top recommendation for especially for lay people who are interested in learning more yeah. about scripture. Uh, it's a really it's a very readable commentary, but still good substance. It too. has introductions before each book, and then footnoted points about things as you go along in the in exactly. the actual books. Yep. Um, the second thing I want to mention, and this is something that Father and I haven't uh, hit on uh, much, but just more and more important to me as I go because of reading some things that I've been studying and reading of myself of late. Um, personal study of Scripture uh, is is something which every Catholic should do. So I said, read, have an encounter with God in and through the letter of St. James. And then that personal study should lend us more and more to a more prayerful encounter with the same word in the sacred liturgy. Yeah. And that's the point I want to make here, that that um, personal study should lead to a more profound encounter with the, the word of God in the liturgy, particularly in the mass. Uh, right. So you want to get more out of mass? Study your Bible outside of mass. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, scripture is announced, if you will, when we read it on our own. It's actualized in the Holy Liturgy, actualized. So what we read about happens in a real way at Mass. So, so our hope is that as you, as you listen to these, these introductions, um, our, our few points that we're going to make today about the letter of St. James, hopefully it'll prompt you to read the letter yourself, but then that in turn will allow you to have a more profound encounter with God and be transformed by Him in the Holy Mass. So... Uh, any, do you have any uh, introductory remarks before we dive in? Further? No, that kind of is uh, really some of my sort of thing. Okay, good. So uh, first thing we want to talk about just in terms of introduction, um, author. Uh, who wrote the letter to James? Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> so, uh, Which James? Yeah, that's the thing. There are uh, do, do, do. Who at least the book of James? three of them mentioned in the Gospels. Three? Three. There's James, the uh, son of Zebedee. Yep. There's James, sometimes referred to as the brother of John, or the brother of Jesus. Yep. yep. And then there's... James, the son of Alphaeus. Who's the... So here's the now, thing. Now, do we know that James, the son of Alphaeus, is not the brother of Jesus? Yes. Okay, how? Because the brother of Jesus is referred to... Yep. Uh, in Mark chapter... Th- uh, Mark 6, 3, I think is where it is. Okay. As a kinsman of Jesus. Yep. Alphaeus is not a kinsman of Jesus. How do we know that? Uh, I don't remember how we know that, but we know that there are three Jameses okay. and they're all three distinct. Okay. So two of them are apostles, but James, the kinsman of Jesus is not an apostle. Right. And he's the one who is re- generally regarded as the author of this letter because, um, J- James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, that, that apostle, yep. um, died in the forties. <clears throat> Uh, too soon to probably have written this letter. Right. Is he the one who was the head of the church in Jerusalem who no. was killed? No. Well, yes and no. Okay. You'll see why I say that in a minute. Um, James, the son of Alphaeus, the other apostle, we know very little about him, but then there's G- James, the kinsman of Jesus, um, who is regarded the, uh, as the author of this letter, who tradition says was the, the first bishop of Jerusalem. Okay. Um, and was martyred in the early 60s, around 62 A.D. He is the one who's regarded as the letter author of this letter of St. James. But he's not the one who's beheaded in Jerusalem. Correct. That's James That's the Greater. That's James the Greater. So there's James the Greater. Anyway. Who's the, who's the son of Zebedee? James the Lesser, who's the son of Alphaeus? And James, brother of Jesus, who's... Sometimes James the Just, apparently. Oh. I hadn't come across that previously. Who else is confused? <laughs> Raise your hands. Okay, great. 
<laughs> All of us. So um, it, that's the James who who most people scholars believe wrote this letter. Uh, having said that, there is some, there are oftentimes Father and I. If you've listened to this occasional <laughs> series before, there are arguments. Mighty well, son. Was it really? James, or was it somebody who liked James? We don't have a picture of him at the press conference for the release of his book. (laughs) So how do we know it was really him who wrote it? Um, And bottom line for us, for Father and I at least, uh, as is usually the case, there's no convincing, um, ultimately convincing argument against it, so let's just go with the tradition. Our faith doesn't hinge on it. If it turned out that James didn't really write the letter attributed to him, that'd be okay. Right. I just think, like, so often it's... um, we disagree that, why do you disagree that James wrote this book? Or why do you disagree that St. Paul wrote this book? Well, because the church says so. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. We doubt it because that's what the church believes. Well, really? Is that really, like, is that scientific, like, that principle? Yeah, I don't think that's scientific at all. No, I don't either. So Freudian, maybe. Mm-hmm. So Jesus' kinsman, um, his cousin, if you will, uh, relation of some sort, uh, is probably the author. We're going to go with the author of James. Um, when did he write it? Sometime before he died. And that's all we know. So sometime prior to the 60s. So it's one of the, um, the earliest of the New Testament uh, letters that way. And probably before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Right, which was in 70. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so with author and date, that's all we've got to say. So moving on to he who wrote it too. Now he, in, if, if you read James, the first letter, it's addressed to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. Uh, what exactly that means? We don't know. Well, I mean, you can know something. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean that the the dispersion typically refers to the uh, first conquering by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and how the 12 tribes of Israel were dispersed in that way. But in this case, then, probably a reference to the uh, 12 apostles, which in some way are the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel, and how after Pentecost, there was a missioning of them out uh, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right. And especially if he's writing from Jerusalem, right. it makes sense of him writing to the dispersion in that way. The, but the question is, so is he, but is he he's writing to Jewish Christians, which would lend itself to the the emphasis on the first point, the 12 tribes of the Jewish diaspora. No, I think he's writing to all Christians. But we don't know that for certain. Well, well, we know that for certain, but this language of the 12 tribes of the dispersion, what exactly, if concretely that was referred to? I think he thinks of the 12 apostles as the fulfillment of the 12 tribes. Yeah. My only point is there are other interpretations that are legitimately given. Yeah, but I disagree. Okay. <laughs> so, regardless, though, I think... I have internal consensus. Very good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, it, it is considered, and to Father's point, um, it, it, this is called one of the seven Catholic epistles. That is, the, the letters of the New Testament that don't have an individual church... Or individual person. ...in mind, um, but that are rather meant for the entire church. So Catholic epistles, the universal epistles, written to the entire church. That includes Jude... First, second, and third John. First and second Peter. James is number seven. Okay. There we go. So, um, written to, again, uh, in that way, to the entire church. Um, in case you're wondering 
who we are and what we're up to. This is Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And if you have questions about this episode on the letter of St. James or questions on or ideas for other episodes, always make sure that you email us, ignition at sfdiocese.org, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us, the Twitter handle at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition to get our attention. Exactly. So uh, themes, uh, characteristics of the letter of St. James. Um, this is, if, if you've read it or heard it uh, proclaimed at Mass, um, no surprise that this is mostly about ethical catechesis, how Christians are to live. So it's very similar in that way to Old Testament wisdom, wisdom literature. In fact, um, comparisons are often made between the letter of St. James and some of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, uh, like Proverbs. Um, for instance, um, because like Old Testament wisdom literature, James deals with the practical aspects of faith and life. Um, what does faith look like when it's lived? It's really what James impacts that way. Right. And then that way, um, you mentioned that there's a lot of like similarities to the Gospel of Matthew. I feel like in the terms of wisdom literature, how to live, there's a lot of similarities to the book of Sirach. Right. In that regard. Which is interesting, just because uh, just a few weeks ago at mass, that's why I was going to say something different. Interesting. Go, you, go with your interest. My thing, uh, Sirach uh, was the first reading at mass just a few weeks ago, when we also had Matthew's gospel. Oh, okay. I was thinking it's similar because James is considered to be the kinsman of Jesus, and Sirach, his name is Sirach ben Jesus. Oh yeah, is it? Yeah. Oh. There we yes, go. It's, it's, it's Bible yeah, knowledge. Whatever, whatever. Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge. Okay. Um, yeah, but there are strong similarities with Matthew's gospel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think reflecting that um, strong Jewish theme. And back to the idea of the 12 tribes of the diaspora, Matthew's one who really emphasizes the 12 apostles as fulfilling the 12 tribes. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <sighs> Mike, drop. <laughs> don't, don't please. It'll be really loud for okay. the listener. Sorry. Uh, and finally, um, th- I there's, won't a, the mic. there's a framework um, that the that, that James provides of coming judgment. Mm, yeah, so yeah. when we live our life in faith, um, the framework is is really about the fact that we we're out, we are today under judgment, and that will become apparent to us at the end of time. Yeah, or at the end of our lives, and the end of time. Yeah, and uh, so despite what uh, popular uh, billboards or church uh, postings might say. Love is not the absence of judgment. <laughs> you know, we do have a little spare time, Father, uh, before we get into some passages. <laughs> this just stuck in my craw. I'm sorry. So talk, explain that briefly more. So there's a church billboard uh, in a town that won't be named, and uh, but I've seen it with mine own eyes. And that church billboard says, love is the absence of judgment. Well, isn't that true? I mean, no. isn't, ju- isn't judgment uh, contrary to love? No. Well, why not? Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 and following. Yeah. At the end of the age, the son of God will come in his glory and he'll sit upon a throne and he will assemble the nations before him and he will separate them. The sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Is that not judgment? And is not Jesus the love of the father? And does not Jesus say, as the Father loves me, so also I love you? So that was the first thing that stuck in my mind. Is I, like, yeah. Dude, do you eat, bro, do you even Bible? Right. 
Yeah. Why do you think that that idea is so commonplace today? Well, I think because we have a misunderstanding of the word love and we think that love is about a total acceptance as opposed to a choosing of the good of another. And I think it's also, frankly, a misunderstanding of the word judgment as well. Right. That judgment is the idea of rejection. Right. Automatically. That, that, judgment, that judgment's contrary to love. Right. When in fact, authentic judgment is perfectly loving. And you can't have forgiveness without judgment. Right. Because, and you can't have contrition without judgment. You can't have repentance without or judgment. contrition, yeah. 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 Contrition and repentance without judgment. Because you have to judge what I did was wrong. Uh, for forgiveness, you have to judge, yes, what you did was wrong, but yes, you are contrite. And so therefore, I will administer forgiveness. Right. Because if forgiveness is not an absolving of what was wrong, then forgiveness becomes turning what was wrong into what is right. Right. Which is not good for anyone. Because yep. if you punch me in the face and ask for forgiveness, it now means it's open season on my face. Yep. We don't want that. No, but ain't no, well, I don't want that. No, no, but some people might want that. Some people want that. You, you don't, and I don't no. either. Right. Okay. Let's make some more people want to hit me. Let's talk about some notable passages from St. James. That sounds good. And so. Go. Good. All right. Uh, I've you, been talking a lot this episode so far. I know. It's your turn. I know. I know. But well, you, you kind of do on these episodes, like in the first part, because you just, yeah, because you've done the great research on that. Um, so James chapter one, verse two is one that sticks out to me. And that whole little section there on perseverance and trial. But he says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Back into verse two. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I love, 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 love that verse. Why? Because it's so much against uh, the happy-go-lucky kind of Christianity, that binary Christianity which we talked about a while ago. And also, it's such a reality check for us that just because I decide to follow Jesus Christ, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Right. And I challenge you to find where Jesus says that in the Bible. <laughs> hunky-dory is not in there. I'm going from a different translation. Even if it were, Jesus doesn't say, if you follow me, everything will be hunky-dory. Everything's going to be all right. Just so you follow me, said Jesus. What? Never. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so... But also just consider it a joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials for, uh, you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Choose to be joyful about the production of perseverance within us through the experience of trials. And so the trials we experience in our Christian life are things like my own faults and weaknesses, the faults and weaknesses of my neighbor, uh, and everything else in between, which pretty much, if you look at it, would cover it all. And so when we experience those things, uh, that's a trial, but in that trial, we can see our own weakness for the sake of growing, of repenting, of changing. Um, we get to learn how it is that I'm supposed to be more like Jesus Christ who endured the sufferings of others, uh, or endured the sins of others. And it should be a joy for us to know how we can be more conformed to Jesus Christ. So what what I love about this passage is it's not it's not just... You will have problems. You will have trials. Endure them. It's and you, you, what you're just saying. Yeah. Consider it joy. Joy. Who, who's like? I mean, who here? Show of hands. Okay. Who of here? Like when they experience some trial, whether it's a moment of temptation against the sin that you thought you've cracked, whether it's um, the trial of uh, loving a coworker that you don't get along with, or anything else like that. Who here is like, oh, praise the Lord! I'm undergoing a trial. Right. Nobody. Well. I don't see many hands up. No. And right. yet that's what, that's what James exhorts us to do. Right. Rejoice. That's what God exhorts us to do. Rejoice in your trials. 
Don't just, just accept them as God's providential will. Rejoice in them because they're God's providential will. Right, don't will. just like, oh, I guess it's just my cross to bear. Right, right. Uh, my burden to carry. Yep. Yeah. So I, when you think about like the sin or thing that you struggle with the most in your Christian life, do you rejoice in it? No. Now, neither do I. I got to start following the Bible, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. And so, now not to revel in the sin itself, but to rejoice in the fact that our Lord permits you to suffer with it. Right. Yeah. Right. Which to be, okay. And I don't know if you and I have talked about, I talked about this with somebody not too long ago. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, if it were super easy for me to overcome my vices, my concupiscence, my mm-hmm. sinful inclinations, mm-hmm. I I think I was pretty holy stuff. Yeah. I, I'm t- a big deal. The temptation to pride would be incredible. It's already enough. Pretty, yeah. But it'd be that much more difficult if you I. You are pretty prideful. If I overcame. <laughs> you bet I am. Uh, it'd be that much more difficult if I overcame my sins uh, instantaneously. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. What's another passage, Father, that, uh, that strikes you positively or uh, negatively? No, no, positively, positively. I rejoice in the in the epistle of James. Uh, how about chapter 2, verses 14 and following? All right. Uh, shall I read them? Please. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister has nothing to wear and has no food for the day, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you do not give them the necessities of the body, what good is that? Are you enjoying the way I'm reading this? Dramatic scripture readings. Brought to you by Father Andrew Dickinson. So also faith of itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Indeed, someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Demonstrate your faith to me without works, and I will demonstrate to you my faith from my works. You believe that God is one? It's my favorite verse. You do well. Even the demons believe that and tremble. I could keep going, but I won't. Um, quick aside. Yeah. Guessing you don't read them at mass this way. No, I don't. Why? Uh, because I think it would attract attention to me instead of attention to the scriptures themselves. Well said. And the mass ain't about me. Mass ain't about you. Anything else I do is about me. Totally. <laughs> it's totally about my ego. But at mass, so that's, I, I draw the line. And it's not about me. It's yeah. Because yeah. I know some some people like wish that uh, proclamation of scripture would be more dramatic. Right. But it's but but it's not for exactly that reason. It's yeah. not about the lector or the same thing with my pronouncing of the prayers. Right. Right. So okay. So why what, why does this passage from chapter two of James? Uh, Letters there might be you? some polemical arguments uh, that one might draw from such a passage. Could there? Uh, so it does seem to make clear the that that um, works of love are important in the Christian life. One might even call this passage an ecumenis. <laughs> You might want to explain what ecumenis is. A menace to uh, ecumenism? Which is a good thing, I'll remind you, Father. Uh, it is. Ecumenism. It is, especially with the East. But, uh, yeah, no, no, ecumenism is a good thing. But at the same time, like I think this is, this is a passage of real ecumenism, though. 
Right. So to be clear, what 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 father's alluding to? Um, the, Not so subtly. Uh, Martin Luther, the 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 initiator of the Reformation, referred famously, at least in our circles, referred to the letter of Saint James as an epistle of straw, primarily because of this passage. Because right. he it, did not like the epistle; he wanted to cut the epistle of James out of the New Testament. He did. He did because of this passage, because of Luther's overemphasis. Uh, and misunderstanding of the relationship between faith that saves us um, and works of love that are due appropriate to the Christian life. Right. Um, and so he famously, well, never mind. Yeah, so he famously said what Father just said. Well, otherwise, in Romans, uh, I didn't faith, say anything alone, about... faith alone saves. He inserts alone. That's what I was thinking of, but that's oh, Romans. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so Luther had issues with James because of Yeah, it's of interesting. The part. only place where you find the phrase faith alone <laughs> Is when James saying that like faith of itself is does dead. not, yeah, yeah, is dead. Tot, verboten. And especially of the idea of St. James equating it with the faith of the angels. Because here he's talking about faith, especially in the intellectual quantity right. of things. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe that and they tremble. But not, of course, faith in the sense of the trust and abandonment yes. of myself to God and his ways. Yep. Uh, but yeah, but I love that. And that's also a great thing. That's a, I mean, that's a thing for uh, any of us that pursue the intellectual life of the Catholic faith. It's not good enough just to believe in the Trinity and unity of the divine, of divinity. We also have to actually put it into action. Right. And, and it's, it, so belief in the sense of intellectual assent of itself does not suffice. Right. Right. Okay. Having enough content of faith doesn't itself suffice. We've got about two minutes left. Do you want to touch on the last one? Yeah, because you want me to probably to move on from this one. No, no, we we can talk about it more if you want. Uh, but re- read that, read that, read uh, chapter two, verse fourteen until the end of the chapter. But I want to talk about uh, chapter five. This is towards the end of the uh, letter of Saint James, verses thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, where he talks about the anointing of the sick. Because some people ask us, where does this sacrament come from in the Bible? And this is obviously one of the places, also in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus sends out his apostles, I believe it's in 6 or 7, and tells them to anoint the sick. And as many anointed were cured, so this passage as well. Right. Uh, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone in good spirits? He should sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? He should summon the presbyters of the church, and they should pray over them, and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick persons, and the Lord will save, raise them up. And if they have committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Love it. So we see there the um, the church's teaching on the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Yep. 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 Which is awesome in and of itself. Right. Uh, what What else in this passage or anywhere else in James? We got about a minute left. Uh, no, that's probably about it for me. What do, you, what do you like from the book oh, of James? Oh, man. Bow, 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 who wrote the book of James? Uh, well, we already talked about that at the beginning. Um, I don't know if there are any other passages. I'm just refraining the theme song I'm going back to. I know you are. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any other passages in particular that usually uh, stick out to me. I, I, I guess I want to go back to the one that we talked about at the beginning. Um, uh, that is to, oh, to, James chapter one and the whole idea of perseverance yeah, and suffering. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I think just to, to wrap up this episode, think about that. And when you, when you, if you're in the midst of trials, uh, maybe some sickness of your own or somebody else, sinus infection <laughs> or more substantial perhaps, um, or whether a spiritual trial where, where you're struggling with particular vice, remember what we said, go back and listen to what we said about, um, rejoicing in the trials that we receive. 
And that will wrap, us up, wrap, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us at sfdiocese with the hashtag Ignition with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.